There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours. We're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and welcome to episode 268. Today's guest on the podcast is New York songwriter and musician Gus Dapperton. The alternative pop star who some people might know through his gargantuan hit Super Lonely with Benny is releasing his third studio record this week, which is titled Henge. It's a brand new chapter for the songwriter and we're very much here for it. Sonically, it's a beautiful record. Before we get down to business, make sure you're subscribed to both this podcast and our new This Song Radio pod. You can find details for both in the episode show notes, which is also where you can find all of our social media channels and subscribe to those if you haven't already. Our guest today is Gus Dapperton. Born in New York, the songwriter, musician and creative has been making music and art since he was a teenager. Releasing singles and EPs and building his own unique live show since 2016, he's built up a unique fan base that follows his every word. In 2020, he was featured on the massive hit Super Lonely from New Zealand artist Benny, which now sits at over a billion streams and it's seen his star power reach even further heights. Since then, he's played Coachella and has worked with artists like Easy Life and Foster the People. This week, he releases his brilliant third record, Henge, which is a somewhat of a concept record about the mysterious time between night and dawn. Sonically, it is a gorgeous record. It is well worth your time if you're looking to listen to something over this weekend. In today's episode, we're talking to Gus about the evolution of his songwriting and why no one project sounds the same as the next. We discuss the songwriting scenes in both Los Angeles and New York and how they possibly differ. And then we also question Gus on whether he'll tour Australia anytime soon. Henge is out now and you can find all the details on where to stream it or buy it in the show notes. And we do want to say a massive thank you to Thomas from Warner Music Australia for his help with this episode. Here is our conversation with Gus Dapperton. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Gus Dapperton. Hello, sir. How are we? Good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I guess, firstly, where are you joining us from today? I know that you're a busy man. You must be kind of everywhere and uh, yeah, everywhere all at once at the moment. When I'm on tour, I'm everywhere, but generally I'm in my home base is, is New York and I live in Bushwick in particular. Lovely. I love Bushwick. Very lovely um, neighborhood and suburb. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, it's an extremely exciting time for you at the moment, Gus. There is a brand new record out called Henge. Uh, it comes out this week. Congratulations on this record. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it to finally come out. Of course. Are you, this is the, the third studio um, record from yourself. Are you someone who gets nervous around kind of release week? No. Um, I get, I, I definitely get very excited. Um, I don't get nervous anymore and maybe I used, used to, but uh, I'm not a veteran, but I kind of feel like I, I've like <laughs> had my fair share of, of album cycles now, even though it's only been two. And uh, I feel like I've learned a lot over the years and this album in particular feels really tie- tied up to me and, and bundled up in a really nice way. So I'm, I'm just excited for it to come out. <laughs> I, we've spoken to a few artists lately where it's almost that thing of that once it's done, it's kind of almost put away and then it in a way doesn't belong to the artist alone anymore. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah, it is a, um, well, I know that fans are very excited for this record doing, um, a little bit of scouring over social media and everything in preparation for today. I could say that there's a lot of fans that are excited for this to come out in terms of, and I, obviously we are going to talk about the record and the songwriting behind it. I'd love to know, I guess, are you someone who not necessarily gives in to, to fans' expectations or, you know, your trolling message boards reading, oh, that's a good idea, maybe I should do that. But um, I guess having that kind of thought of what the fans want and then what you're putting out, is there ever any, I guess, overlap on that in terms of what ends up being the I end result? I never give the fans what they think they want. Um, mm-hmm. I, It's not about me it's about like you said like the the music belongs to the fans and the people once it's really released and i completely agree with that um but what i will say is you know like my whole goal is to push my boundaries and and push the boundaries of what i can do and experiment with so i think for me i always try to make something that's drastically different from the last thing because i I want to inspire people in ways they didn't know they were going to be inspired by as, as opposed to just making the the same old sound and the same old songs. Um, so <laughs> there have been, there have been plenty of fans who have been so turned off from like me not making music like how I used to. And, and I bet there's a lot of people who really liked my last album who probably won't like this album as much, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be that way. I want to create without any any boundaries. 100%. And I think that without being unfair to fans, it is, if an artist is simply making a carbon copy of the same thing time and time again, it becomes less interesting for you and your heart is, I think, less involved in it as well. 100%. Even, even now it's become, I still have to like get up the excitement and, to make music and I like, not because I don't love it. It's the thing I'm the most passionate about in the world, but, um, you know, it becomes when it becomes a routine, I, I don't find myself making anything good. So I, I like to change the approach 
completely for for each one. Um, yeah. 100%. I did hear that this time around for the album Henge, you almost like reverse engineered the songs in all. What kind of worked your way back from that? Totally. And yeah, that's like for a, the couple of years, like after COVID and, and Orca, that was a record where I really kind of just sat on the guitar and wrote all the stuff and had the whole album kind of before I or like had a lot of the songs before I even like produced them out. This one, it was more almost like story focused. And I had a lot of the song names written out and I would just, I knew what the mood of the album was supposed to be and what like the duality was supposed to be and what the sonics were supposed to be. So I wrote down a lot of the song names and would write the moods for the songs and write songs around that. Um, which was a really fun approach that I don't think I would have been able to make a lot of these songs without <laughs> doing that first. Yeah. It is a very unique approach. And I'm I'm curious on, I guess, is there, firstly, is there a notes app or something on your phone that has quite a lot of song titles that maybe didn't make that cut or didn't get past a certain stage one or two? Honestly, no. But some of the songs like names changed a little once they were I had a song just called Midnight and now it's Midnight Train just a bit like, better but it, there were some songs I I didn't do that for but um, no I think I used I think I used all of them kind of yeah that's very impressive. No, no waste. All, <laughs> all killer. <laughs> um, the the record Henge does. Well, the title refers to uh, the phenomenon Manhattan Henge, which is um, this kind of thing that happens, I believe, once or twice a summer in New York, where yeah. the sunset um, aligns with the east east. I want to say east west skyline. Yeah. It. Um... Yeah, I guess the what the West Skyline and uh it's just lines up between the buildings really nicely a couple times throughout the year and it looks crazy. It looks like the world's about to end. Um, which is sort of what I was kind of envisioning. Um yeah. Yeah, that's where I was um that's where I was gonna kind of go. I was like, where I guess from that, where did the um the title come from in terms of what inspired you to name the, the record that, or I guess that kind of does answer that. So well, I had seen that and I'd become interested in using the sun as a symbol for the album. And there was one night in particular, I had a really late night out and I got on the train and it was dark. And when I got back into Brooklyn, I got off the train the sun was coming up and I started running home because I wanted to get home before the sun came up. And I was like, I felt like if I didn't get to sleep, I was just never going to sleep. And I sort of related it to like this world after quarantine. And for me, it was really tough to reintegrate back into society because I was always super introverted and it took a lot of work to like, become more of a social being, which gives me a lot of joy and adrenaline now. 
But after that, it took a while to get, to like get back into that. And I think I'm sort of related Henge and the sun going over the sun sunset to being trapped in this weird twilight zone of New York. And if I didn't make it home before the sun comes up, then um, I would be kind of stuck there. So it kind of all just relates to life and what's been happening recently. But yeah. I feel like the record has captured that very well. Um, uh, We were very lucky enough to have a listen to it before it has come out. So thank you for that. Um, And it is, um, it's, the best way I can kind of describe it is currently um, winter here in Australia. And so it's kind of, there's no sun. It is a perpetual gray or purplish kind of sky. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I did not know that. It, it. I feel like it's almost a great record to be coming out in Australia at this time because it suits the mood yeah. almost to a T. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, uh, with creating these songs, did you find yourself having to um, almost, I want to say like seasonally, well, not seasonally, but if you're creating songs that are kind of based or that sonically refer, not even refer to, I don't know how I'm trying to ask this. It's it's almost these songs do encapsulate that moment that you were just describing. And I'm curious that when creating them, did you find yourself having to avoid like, writing in the middle of the day, if it is sunny, if it's an enjoyable summer day, because it doesn't quite fit the what's going on in the studio. To get inspiration, I, I definitely needed to have a lot of like experiences. And, and I always say that to people who are maybe think that they should be like working harder than they are. And I always kind of say like, once you put a certain amount of time and effort into your craft, you need to go have those real life experiences in order to reflect and be inspired and go make things. So once I had all that inspiration, I wrote the song wet cement and I wrote the name wet cement and then I kind of wrote the thing to it. And then I wrote the name of the album. And then once I had the idea for the album, it was just, I was making it any time that I possibly could. So, um, it was all kind of in, already inside of me, the inspiration. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I know that you're um, quite a producer yourself in terms of that you like to do a lot of the, I guess, be hands-on in, in, what, in what you're creating. Was that the same for this record or was there one or two people that you kind of let into the world of Hench? Yes. I experimented a lot with other producers and writers try to just find someone that I really clicked with just to get some, some ears on it. Um, I still was sitting on the computer and producing everything for this, but I met this brilliant writer producer named Ian Fitchuk, who I wrote a lot of the album with. Um, and he was so down with like hearing my whole vision and he was super good at, hearing what I had to say, having these real talks, and then. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Capturing that. So I think sometimes people go into sessions with things they want to want to try to get out of it already and try to do. And he was super good just hearing me out and adapting to what we were doing. So um, he's, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I um, previously spoke with Murray Mertravers, um from Easy Life, who I know you collaborated with on their record last year. Um, mm-hmm. And he discussed collaborating with yourself. And I'm curious to know for you, there are a few guests on this record. What, does make a good collaborator and I guess what are you looking for when you do kind of reach out to someone? I think just chemistry really. Um, it's all about chemistry. Uh, I would never be able to make a good song with someone who I didn't have a good chemistry with and didn't share like similar views on the creative process. And um, I like working and letting people in who are friendly and share my yeah share my mindset when it comes to that so a lot of times when it comes to albums i'll work with people that i've already collaborated with so on this album benny i had already collaborated with and worked with and santi cruel santino i also had worked with and um yeah and then ocean Vuong, we just had talked for a while and i love his his writing and poetry and uh that one, I really just wanted to find a way we could collaborate despite our mediums being quite different. So, yeah. 100%. I um, As you mentioned, Benny does make an appearance on this record. Um, and I think that anyone listening to this podcast, unless they were living under a rock for the last three years, would have heard the previous collaboration that you guys had. The I think it's been streamed two, three billion times by now, Super Lonely. Yeah. Was there any because that's it's it's a crazy success and congratulations on that as well is there i guess was there sorry any pressure in collaborating once again and almost not following it up but you know trying to have that same magic twice not for me when it, when it not for me i i anytime i try to make a good song it's a bad song anytime i try <laughs> to make a song that is creative and unique that I, I tend to like them. So I don't think I could make a hit song if I tried. Um, but I'm really happy with the, the things that have come out of collaborating with these people going into the session, not trying to do that, you know? 100%. Do you remember, I guess, um, what originally drew you to songwriting Gus, what kind of, uh, attracted you to the, yeah, to, to writing lyrics and music? The first thing that I always was uh, obsessed with 
music and listening to music and songs. And I always would put all my friends onto music. So I was always a huge fan. But what really I was drawn to was production and beats. And I was, I it's like I grew up under a rock. Like <laughs> no one else knew around me how beats were made. And like no one could tell me and I didn't know either. And I wasn't like on the computer a lot. And there was no social media. So like, I just was like, okay, so there's like the singer, like how is all of the other things happening? So in eighth grade, we were made to make a song on GarageBand for a music class because there was a new computer lab that like opened in our middle school and our music teacher made us go on there. And we went on GarageBand. I was like, Oh, like this is how you make the song. This is how you make beats. Ever since then, I was obsessed with that because I wasn't a good singer, not a good player, but I I knew why things sounded good and like why I liked how they sounded and could describe that. And I think that's like you know, what a lot of people feel. 100%. Have Obviously, you've produced your own music. Have you, and I apologize if I'm getting any of this wrong, have you kind of ventured outside of, of your project and thought about producing for other artists and musicians? Totally. I've um, done a few sessions and I, I love doing that too. Um, I've produced a lot of my sister's music. She plays in my band, Amadel. Um, and I've, most of the sessions I've done, I've ended up just like being on the song <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I try to just produce for someone. Um, there's a song called Velcro by Spill Tab that, mm -hmm. yeah. And I also think there's not really like set rules when, it, when we go into the session. So a lot of the collaborations I've just ended up featuring on the song, but, um, when I've been like set to produce something, but uh, I'd like to do it more for sure. Is there anyone that you would, um, that you'd kind of got on like a, a wish list or a bucket list of, of artists that you would like to work with or produce for? Good question. I, when people ask me this, I always feel so bad. Cause I honestly, I don't like when it comes to, I'm almost kind of like the don't meet your heroes mindset. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I, I just don't have like that wish list of those dream artists that I always loved. Like, I just want to be fans of them, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But Very uh, fair. I love working with my, my friends and peers and, um, you know, there's a little scene in New York and, uh, I like I like working with those those people for sure. One hundred percent. I think from what we've heard and discussed with previous artists and even reading into some stuff with yourself, I think that the uh, New York scene appears to be a little bit smaller, but more collaborative or more community based than maybe the LA scene. With no disrespect to the LA songwriting scene either. Totally. Um, yeah, when I went out to. Uh, like go out there sometimes to try to write with people. I guess it just feels a little more 
you know, like LA popped up because of Hollywood. And so the whole city was revolved around that for a second. And music is similar in the sense where it's, it's a bit of the whole city is almost like a place to work. Um, and like, it sometimes feels a little transactional. Uh, that's where all the songwriters and producers live and people coming in and out. Whereas um, in New York, it's more of a, just a local artist scene and yeah, more collaborative. It's it's smaller and, you know, people are always going to everyone's shows and people are always playing shows everywhere. So um, I totally feel that. I can, yeah, from... Uh, even from an outsider's perspective, it does seem that um, yeah, the New York scene is a little bit more of community um, shaped or based. Um, later in the year, in September, October, and November, um, you're heading out on the road. I believe you're playing across the US. You're playing some European dates as well. I know you've kind of made a few appearances here and there at some festivals this year, but how are you feeling about kind of getting back out on the road and, and taking these songs to to people? I'm so excited to like make a really cohesive, fun, entertaining set for everyone. I've never really had the time to kind of like, I want to make this a real show and, and Mm -hmm. have all these crazy transitions and, and things and like fun, interesting moments that I've never been able to do in the past. We just would learn a song and then throw it on the set list. And it'd be start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, tune my guitar real quick whatever this one i'm i'm really interested in in keeping the momentum going really strong the whole time um and having it be an immersive world an immersive experience with you know how the stage looks the lights how we look and how the song sounds so um I'm really excited. It's been a, it's, there's a really good chunk of time right after the album comes out where people have to digest the music and then still be excited once we go out. So, um, I'm hyped on that. (laughs) I can imagine that there's, yeah, as I said before on social media, it seems like there's a lot of people excited to see you on tour as well. I did read somewhere, I think, is there, I I don't want to spoil anything. We can cut this out if, if so. Is there some choreography planned as well that i heard totally yeah but we've i've been incorporating ever since i made my first music video i just did this one little dance that i was doing i didn't even think the camera was on and my friend matt put it in and it became people's favorite parts (laughs) and then it got me interested in dancing more and i was going to the club and like djing and i i just began to love dancing my last record was such not a dance record that I wasn't able to incorporate it. So with this record, I'm really excited to reintegrate that side of me and actually do choreo and and stuff. Um, But yeah, there's a moment where me and my sister do this really fun choreo um, for the song. Don't let me down. It's, it's uh, what me and Benny do in the video. Yeah. That's awesome. I know that um, I will imagine a lot of people are going to be looking out for that now. Um, Very quickly. I know um, I wanted to be just a a tiny bit selfish and kind of ask about my favorite track on the record. I loved the chorus and I thought that the instrumentation was very playful on it. It was the stranger, which 
which is about, I think, five or six tracks into the record. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could just give us a little bit of behind the scenes of, I guess, where that song came from or, or what inspired it. So that is one of the ones I made with another producer, um, Ethan Gruska, who I went to his spot and um, that was one of the few songs where I kind of didn't really go into it knowing exactly. I think I had the idea of like the stranger being this symbol or something on the album, but didn't have a super strong mood in mind. And he just basically found this breakbeat sample. Um, and I just immediately started playing it and, uh, yeah, we made it together and I was, that's one of the few that like, just like going into a session with someone I don't know and, and making something really great with them. Um, so yeah. I do love that song. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Um, as I mentioned a second ago, you are on tour. I know that it's kind of running to the end of the year. Can we, it might be a bit of a cliche question to ask, but we do have to ask it. Um, can we expect to maybe see you in Australia at some point, uh, supporting the album? Yes. I would love to come to Australia. Um, and I think it's, it's getting closer to being able to do that. Hopefully top of next year or something. I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but, um, I think after co I, I went one time in, uh, December, January, and it was awesome. And I think just after COVID, it became difficult, especially if you weren't a super massive artist, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's we're at the point where we'll, we're we're going to be able to make it happen. Yeah, beautiful. Look, that is very exciting, and I know uh, even that little shred of hope is going to give a lot of uh, people um, some delight this week. So thank you awesome. <laughs> for sharing awesome. that. Yeah, because um, we would usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Is there anything at the moment that is on high rotation for yourself? Yes, there's a song called "Baby Baby" by Sports. And mm -hmm. I just can't get enough of it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay. What uh, what kind of genre is it? It's like indie pop, indie rock, and uh, I used to listen to sports a lot. And their their earlier albums, I totally forgot about them. And then my sister started listening to it, and I didn't know she she knew that band. And she put me on, and it, I think it came out a year ago, um, and it's super good. That is awesome. Really I'm catchy, really catchy oh, sick. I am going to go check that out after our, after our conversation today. Um, Gus, thank you so much for uh, coming onto the podcast and congratulations on Henge, which is out now. We'll have it all in the, uh, the show notes for people to buy stream, follow you on your socials to make sure that if there is a tour that they're, that they're updated immediately. But I um, mean, yeah, thank you again. Awesome. Thank you so much. 